Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 80. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your Word, and we pray that You would help us as we work through. There's, there's a lot of stuff in these verses, God. There's a lot, of, a lot of content, a lot to think about, and I pray, God, that You would, um, that you would help us to just have the strength to, to listen and to hear, and, and by Your Spirit that we would apply um, what we hear today that You would cause us to rejoice, um, that You would cause us, God, to, to be even more ready and willing and able to honor You with our lives um, and to show uh, those around us how incredibly thankful we are for Your grace to us. I pray that You would help us now. In Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, we know that the Christmas story, I mean, the, the Christmas story is one of those, uh, these, these chapters, Luke 1, Luke 2, the beginning of Matthew, um, the, the, the prophecies in Isaiah, or Micah, or Malachi, we've heard these stories a lot. We've heard a lot of Christmas sermons in our lives, most of us. Not all of us, but most of us have heard a lot of Christmas sermons in our lives. And one of the things that, that stands out to us is just how different life was for Mary and for Zechariah and for Elizabeth and, and just how unique their situation was. Very different than where we, you know, than our lives. They're, they're on the, uh, the beginning, right, of the gospel story. They're, they're looking at it from a completely different perspective than we are. It's important though, as we read through this story and as we see God's remarkable, amazing grace to these people, uh, it's, it's important for us to understand that's the same God who, through Jesus Christ, is giving us grace upon grace as well. In fact, this is the same... We're, we're looking at the same amazing story um, that, that Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary were looking at. We're just experiencing it in a very different way than they were. we're they, they were at the very beginning of it. And, and we, now, um, we now learn of Jesus hundreds thousands of years later, and we learn of Him through um, the Word of God. We learn of Him through a different way, but it's the same story. And so as we see these people today respond to the remarkable grace of God, they give us a really good example of how we can respond to the grace of God as well. Uh, these uh, Mary and Zechariah and Elizabeth, as they respond to the grace of God, they're going to give us a really good example for how we can as well. I have, I have seven ways that we should respond to the grace of God. Um, my, my ten-year-old daughter, Eden, um, she saw me studying the sermon yesterday, and she goes, uh, she says, Dad, how many points in the sermon tomorrow? And, and I said, seven. She goes, seven. I said, yeah. She goes, do I have to go to both services? I said, yes. Yes, you have to. Now you definitely do. Maybe not before you ask that question. You little jerk. But yeah, you're going to... If we had three services, you'd go to the third one too. You, I might just preach this just for her later. Um, yeah, so there's seven. No, so no complaining or I'm going to make you stay for the second service, alright? Uh, seven ways we respond to the grace of God. And, and there are seven, so we've got to get moving. We, have to, we do have to move right along. Number one... Number one, these verses show us that we should celebrate God's goodness in the lives of others. 
Number one, let's celebrate God's goodness in the lives of others. Look at, look at verses 39-45. through 45. It says, In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Now we have to remember here, Elizabeth is old, right? And she and Zechariah have been married for years and they wanted a baby for years. They served God faithfully and yet God never gave them a baby. And so now at the very end of their life, she's old. She's too old to have a baby. Elizabeth, because of God's grace, is miraculously pregnant. She and her husband Zechariah are now going to have a, a baby. They wanted one for years, and, and now they're going to have one. And not only is, are they going to have a baby, but he's going to be the, the forerunner of the Messiah. He's going to be the one who paves the way for the Lord. He's going to be the one who brings reconciliation and repentance to the, the people of God. This is, this is a special child. And so Elizabeth herself is bursting with good news. And then here comes Mary, her relative, and Mary has traveled probably a hundred miles. This is a, this is a middle school age girl. I think, I think she's alone. She's traveled about a hundred miles at, at between eighty and a hundred to get to Elizabeth. And when she gets there, as soon as she gets there, Elizabeth Somehow the Holy Spirit of God in some way lets Elizabeth know that the young girl standing before her is actually the mother of the Messiah. Elizabeth forgets all about her own news. And what does she start to do? She, all she wants to talk about is, is Mary and the fact that Mary is going to give birth to the, to the Messiah, to the Lord. She goes, how is it that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She's all about the grace of God to Mary. She's, she's all about the way God is blessing someone else. This is such a good example for us because we tend to be obsessed with ourselves. And we also tend to struggle with thankfulness. We know we should be more thankful for the amazing grace of God to us we know that the Gospel is absurdly good news. and We don't deserve it. And, and it's wonderful. And yet, we, we tend to still kind of be not as happy as we should be. Not as thankful as we should be. Elizabeth is going to show us the way forward here. She's going to say one of the great ways to, to rejoice in the work of God is to rejoice in the work of God in other people's lives. I was joking last week with um, Judy Ridenour, and for some reason we were talking about you know being sick. I think I think we were talking about that because she's old, and old people love to talk about various ways that they are sick, you know. And so I was talking with Judy Ridenour about that, and and so and she, and I told her for some reason I don't know why I was telling her this, but I told her that when I was in college, um, I had ulcers on my esophagus. I was a I I, I had I was just stressed out. 
um, about a bunch of stuff, and so I had I had also, I developed ulcers on my esophagus. Um, it was fun times, and uh, and she was well. She said, "Well, how did you get rid of them?" I said, "Well, what I did is I started giving ulcers to other people. I found you know this is just better. Rather than me get them, I'm just going to cause anxiety in others." And 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 she said, "No, how how did you really?" I was like, "I, I don't remember how I got rid of them, um, but I do know a great way here." To, uh, to fight against stress and anxiety in our own lives. Because that, that tends to come with self-obsession. One of the great ways is to look around us. Look to the people in our lives and, and look and see how is God favoring them and blessing them in His grace. I encourage you, this week, talk with some people in your life and invite them to share the ways that they are rejoicing in the grace of God. And one of the cool things here is this works across generations, doesn't it? Elizabeth is old. She's in her 70s, maybe, or 80s. She's, she's old. Mary is very young. She's probably middle school aged, 12, 13, 14. They've got decades of difference between them. But here they are, encouraging each other, rejoicing together in the grace of God. This is a, this is a thing that happens across generations. The second way these people are a great example to us is they they show us that we should encourage the faith of other believers. Not only do we celebrate God's grace in others' lives, but, but number two, let's encourage the faith of other believers. These two things go hand in hand, but they're important to, to kind of note separately. Let's encourage the faith of other believers. Verse 45, again, um, Elizabeth says to Mary, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Now, I'm not sure if Zechariah was deaf or not. I'm not sure about that because there's, there's hints here in this chapter that maybe he was not only mute, but he was deaf. You remember um, last week, um, the angel Lord appeared to Zechariah and said, Zechariah, your, your wife is going to have a baby and, and, your, um, and he's, you're going to name him John and he's going to bring reconciliation and repentance. He's going to pave the way for the Lord. He's going to come in the spirit of Elijah. I mean, this is going to be good stuff. And, Ze- and Zechariah, Zechariah you're, you're finally going to have this baby. And Zechariah says to the angel, I don't know about that. I'm not sure. Can you give me a sign to prove that you're telling the truth. And the angel's like, well, I'm an angel, um, so that, that's, a, that's, that's a big help right there. But, since you did ask for a sign, here's your sign. You're, you're not going to be able to talk until the baby is born. So I wonder, you know how wives can be passive-aggressive. Maybe you don't know about this. And the only reason you don't know that your wife is passive-aggressive is because you're oblivious to it. Because she is. Anyhow, um, so you know how wives can be passive-aggressive. And, uh, and I think this is what Elizabeth is doing. I think she's saying this loud enough for Zechariah to hear. When she says, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Unlike my stupid husband who could be talking right now if he would have just believed what was said. So, that's what she means there. I have a feeling. And I also know that if Zechariah wasn't actually deaf, deaf, he was pretending to be deaf because that's what husbands do. So it's a great, it's, it's teamwork, right? Wives are loudly passive-aggressive. Husbands are, are purposefully deaf. And this is the secret to a happy marriage. So anyhow, um, 
But what I do know Elizabeth is doing, I don't know about that, but I do know that she is purposefully encouraging, commending Mary's faith. She's purposefully commending Mary's faith. She, this is, I mean, Mary's going through it right now. Mary's going through it right now. You, you, you know, you, she's, she's young. Um, she's probably got a ton of questions about the whole virgin conception thing. I mean, she's, she's also not sure how all of this is going to play out. She's, she's not married. Uh, she's pregnant. Um, she's dirt poor. She, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of questions I'm sure that she has. And so what Elizabeth does for here is priceless. She says, she says Mary, you're, you're blessed because God has been gracious to you. God in His grace has been, has been just good to you. So keep believing the promises of God. You're blessed because of God's grace. And you're, you're going to continue to be blessed as you continue to believe the promises of God. Believe the Word of God. Mary, and this is what we can do for each other as well. And again, this works, you know, across the generations. Old people can come alongside young people and say this. Young people can come alongside old people and say this. We, we can say this to each other. We can say, believe the Word of God. You will be blessed if you believe the Word of God. God is going to complete the good work He started in you. You can escape temptation. You, God does do all things. All things work together for the good of those who have been saved by God. Believe the Word of God. You will have God's favor and blessing. And now, those of you who know me know that I don't mean by that like physical health and wealth in this world. That kind of stuff comes and goes. I don't mean that by God's favor and blessing. But, but God does bless those who believe His Word. He, bless, he blesses us with peace and love and joy and sanctification and courage and wisdom and contentment. And in the end, heaven with Him forever. So let's encourage the faith of other believers. Number three, let's magnify the mighty, promise-keeping mercy of God. Number three, let's magnify the mighty, promise-keeping mercy of God. Verses 49-56. through 56, Here's Mary's song that she sings. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call Me blessed. For He who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is His name. And His mercy is for those who fear Him. From generation to generation, He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich He has sent empty away. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to His offspring forever. Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. This is an amazing song. It is almost a crime not to preach just a whole sermon on this song. This is an amazing song. Mary is compelled to magnify God. 
who he is, what he has accomplished, what he will do in the future. Now, now Mary doesn't have all the pieces here. She doesn't have all the pieces. And I'm not going to get into the song, Mary, Did You Know, because, I, because you guys just blast me with that. Um, and so I'm not, I'm not going to even mention it. But, she, you know, she didn't. Anyhow, um, she doesn't have all that. She, has a, she still has a pretty Old Testament understanding of what kind of king is going to be born to her. And, and, and so this is, just, this is very common for where we are in the story. She, she's not... She's, she's not completely aware of what kind of king Jesus is going to be and what kind of kingdom He's going to establish. But she does know that this king is coming and He is going to save His people. He is going to, he is going to bless those who trust in Him. Those who humble themselves before Him. She knows that He, that he is going to ruin those who are arrogant and who reject Him and who think they've got it all together. He is mighty. He keeps His promises. He is full of mercy to those who will humble themselves before Him. She wants to magnify God. Much like John the Baptist in in later years, she wants wants God to increase and and for her to decrease. I'm not going to go off on 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 a soapbox here, but... If she's able to, she would cringe with the way Catholics talk about her. She doesn't want that kind of glory and honor. She wants that kind of glory and honor to go to God. And and we get that from this song. We get the joy from this song. And you say, well, it's easy. You know, it's easy for Mary to burst out in joyful praise. She's the mother of the Messiah. Of course she's going to be happy. But again, we have to remember, I mean, she is, she is a dirt poor, single, pregnant, young girl with all kinds of questions. She's not singing this song because she has no stress in her life. Because she has, no, she has no causes for alarm in her life. And her life's a piece of cake. She's not singing this because everything's rosy. She's singing this because she is choosing to magnify God. She's choosing to believe His promises. When she speaks about the things God is going to do, she speaks about them as if they've already happened. God's mighty promise-keeping mercy is the biggest force in her mind. So let's follow her example. Which brings us to number four. So, so, so number three, we magnify the mighty promise-keeping mercy of God. And number four, to do that, let's fill our hearts with the truth of Scripture. Number four, let's fill our hearts with the truth of Scripture. This is how Mary magnified God. There are people who, um, there are like, I don't know, scholars, commentators, whatever. People who... Uh, who question whether a young girl could have written this song of praise. They're not sure Mary could have written this because it's, it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's a pretty poetic, high-sounding song. It's a good song. It's a well-written song. And so some people think, I don't know if Mary could have, could have written that. But, but almost all conservative scholars... And then people like me, a conservative, not necessarily a scholar, um, strongly believe that she did because it comes right from Scripture. 
she lifted the thing right from Scripture. I think if she would have tried to pass this off in a, in a classroom, they're like, no, that's, that's actually plagiarism. You can't, you can't do that. You've got you to gotta cite that. She, there's, there's echoes from all over the Old Testament. The books of the law, the books of Samuel, the wisdom books like Job and Psalms. She's echoing Scripture, especially Hannah's song back in 1 Samuel when, when Hannah, was, when Hannah um, was blessed by God with little Samuel. Mary's leaning hard on, on the Word of God. Her heart is filled with Scripture. She knew her Old Testament. And I say this a lot um, because you need to hear it and I need to hear it. We, we need to hear this. Um, life makes way more sense to us when, when, when God tips the scales. When God is the weightiest, most important, most glorious, most essential um, person in our lives. When, when He increases and we decrease. When we're, when, when, when we're no, nowhere near as weighty as God is. When we're nowhere near as important as God is. The, the more obsessed we become with Him, the less obsessed we become with ourselves. This is, this is when life makes sense. This is when we grow in contentment, in actual joy. This is when we grow in wisdom and courage. The life works when we are obsessed with God. And the way forward into that is filling our hearts and minds with Scripture. With the truth about who God is according to His Word. Sometimes I get afraid that we, uh, myself included, we are more familiar with like news pundits and spirits and sports writers and talk show hosts and, and Netflix shows. And, and we're more familiar even with preachers and teachers. People who put out like Christian living material and, and podcasts. We're, we're, we're more familiar with, with human voices than we are with God's Word. Let's reverse that. Let's fill our hearts and minds with with Scripture. Let's, let's learn a lesson from this young girl. Let's fill our hearts and minds with s- Scripture. Number five, let's never stop growing. Let's never stop growing. <laughs> here, we, here we come to uh, Zechariah's side of the story now. Verse 57. Uh, and so, Zechariah is still, still not able to talk. Um. Now the, now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father, which was very common back then. Of course they would call him Zechariah. Uh, verse 60, but his mother answered, no, he shall be called John. They said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name. As if she needed to know that. Um, she's like, yeah, I, I know my relative's name. It's weird. All right, anyhow, and, and he made signs, or they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted them, him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. Not, he's not going to get this wrong again. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts saying, what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. I, I love this story. I love old Zechariah. I love old Elizabeth. I just, I just love this. 
Zechariah's joy here. And I love this song. This, 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 when in verse 67, his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied saying, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Very much like Mary's song. This is all about the mighty, promise-keeping mercy of God. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He has visited and redeemed His people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David as He spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets from of old. What has He said through His prophets? He has kept His promises that He has made through His holy prophets of old. That we should, verse 71, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hands of those who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember His holy covenant, the oath that He swore to our father Abraham. So this goes back even before the promises of the prophets. This comes back to to the promise that He made to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve Him without fear in holiness and righteousness before Him all our days. And He turns to His little baby boy, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. I had a hard time believing this the first time the angel said it. I'm, I'm sure now. I'm convinced now. You, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation to His people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he was in the wilderness until the days of his public appearance to Israel. Zechariah has, has learned his lesson here, hasn't he? He's done doubting the Word of God. And the thing I want to point out from, from this little section of Scripture, the, the one thing I wanted to point out is that Zechariah doesn't stop growing. I mean, if you, if you read the way Scripture describes Elizabeth and Zechariah in Luke chapter 1, they are blameless. They are, they are holy people. If you knew them, you would say, those people love God. Those people are submitted to God's Word. Those people want to honor and glorify God. Those are good people. You would get that so clearly from their lives. No one would have any question about that. They're wonderful people. And yet here, though, we see... Zechariah himself needs to be rebuked. He needs to be taught a lesson. He needs to grow in his faith. There are ways he did not believe the Word of God. He needs to believe it going forward. This is the story for all of us. You guys are a great blessing to me. And I hope I, hope I encourage you in this. I hope that um, as Elizabeth did with Mary, that I encourage you in your faith, that that I tell you that your faithfulness is a blessing to me. I hope I say that. I mean to. I feel like I've said it a lot, but maybe I haven't. But your your faithfulness, your, your determination to honor God with the way you live, as that's becoming more and more counter-cultural, you are determined to, to faithfully honor God. That's a blessing to me. And I hope that my faithfulness is a blessing to you as well. It's an encouragement. It's a good example to you as well. But, but the, 
thing we have to remember is we have not arrived. We have ways in our lives where we need to continue to be gently rebuked by God. Pushed into uh, more faith. More holiness. More obedience. We're, We're not going to arrive until the end. Until the new heavens and the new earth. Let's never stop growing. Let's follow good old Zechariah's example. Let's never stop growing. Let's never assume, you know what? I've been faithful for years. I got nothing left to prove. I'm just going to kind of coast. No. Let's continue to grow. Let's continue to submit to the Word of God. Number six, let's serve God without fear. Um, real quickly, let me, let me just look at, look at this. I, I'm only a point out one part of Zechariah's song. I, we, again, this, this one deserves its own sermon too. This is, I'm basically, this is, this, is, this is a crime here, what I'm doing here this morning, just not, not preaching each of these little sections as their own sermon. They all deserve their own sermon. Um, look, look, at, look at verses 72 through 75 again. To show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember His holy covenant, the oath that He swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, listen to this, being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve Him without fear in holiness and righteousness before Him all our days. Zechariah is saying, why has God been so kind to us? Why has He delivered us from the hand of our enemies? Why is He being so gracious to us so that we might serve Him without fear? So, so what we need to see from this passage, because there's a lot of emotion in this passage. There's a lot of singing. There's a lot of faces lighting up. There's a lot of celebration. There's a lot of rejoicing. There's a lot of just magnifying God. That's really good. It's all, that's all really good. I think if, if the, the, gospel, the, 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 the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ gets into our hearts, I mean, it should show up in our emotions. Absolutely. But it should also show up in our actions. In the way we live, in the way we submit to the Word of God. I remember when I, my brother and I are 18 months apart, and I remember when we, we were younger than everybody else in our family, and so Christmas morning, we, um, we always got up like, I don't know, some ridiculous hour, like 5 a.m. or something. Everybody else in my family was going to be sleeping for another few hours. They all got up at like a normal time, normal vacation time. My brother and I, we were excited. We were, we were hyped up. So we got, up, we got up really early. And my mom always said, if you get up before everybody else, which you will, if you do, you can get your stocking and whatever is in there, you can eat it and play with it and whatever's in there. You can just have your stocking. And just be quiet, though. Be quiet. Because the rest of the house are, is sane people who want to sleep. And so we said, sure, yeah, we'll, we'll be quiet. We got this, one year we got this big, um, like, plastic army man. He was like the size of a Barbie doll or those old G.I. Joes. And, uh, and if you flipped a switch, um, he, he lit up and, and like made gun noises and like battle commands. And he also started moving. Like he started crawling, doing his army crawl. And so we didn't know what it was. It was kind of dark in our room. And so we just flipped the switch and then all this racket. I mean, just making all kinds of all kinds of racket. He's falling off the bed, and we're like, shh, be quiet. And, break. and, it's like, and so, I mean, like, it didn't take long for the whole house to be awake. It was awesome. Um, and it's like, okay, let's start Christmas. And, uh, yeah. Anyhow, 
It's, it, it, it reminds me, though, when God flips our switch, when, 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 God, when God gets a hold of our heart, when God makes us new, when God gets the gospel into us. So we should have like this, we should light up and make noise, right? We should. We should light up and make noise. It should show up in our, in our emotions. We should be thankful. We should be happy. We should sing. Yeah, like that. Exactly. Applying it right away. That's what I'm talking about. Man, that's what I like. Apply it right away. But it, we should also, it should also show up in our, like our, our, our obedient lifestyle as well. That might not be as applied back, well as back, back, back there, but the, um, <laughs> uh, it shows up in our life as well. We, we not only want to sing and praise God and have this like moment on Sunday mornings with, with all of God's people, nothing wrong with any of that, but we want to obey the Word of God. We want to honor God with our lives. If, what, if the only thing God ever gets from us is a song, we're doing it wrong. We want to obey the Word of God and submit to with our lives. It, it, we, we're, we're, we've been saved so that we can serve Him without fear. Number seven. Let's go to the Lord in our hunger. Alright, let's go to the Lord in our hunger. The last... Last way here we respond to the grace of God. Let's go to the Lord in our hunger. Just want one last look at verse 53 from Mary's song. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. Are you are you hungry this morning? Are there ways where you just are very, very aware of your weakness and your deficiency? Are you in situations, I, I just, I don't have, I don't know the answer, God. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And if I did know what to do, I don't think I'd have the strength to do it. Are you hungry this morning? Are you aware of your need? Turn to Jesus. He came to fill the hungry with good things. He came so that we might have life and have, might, might have it more abundantly. He came to say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Your hunger is a good thing. Your hunger, your neediness is not a barrier between you and God. It's your entryway. It's your pathway to God. Your neediness is all that you need to bring to the table. Maybe you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Here's what Jesus said about His work on the cross. He said that His body was going to be broken like bread. And His blood was going to be spilled like wine. He, he said those who turn to Him, to His sacrifice on the cross, will be fully and finally forgiven of their sins. If you hunger for true righteousness, which means you're, you're right with God, you're forgiven by God, you're, you're accepted by God, brought into His family forever. If you hunger for that righteousness, Jesus' broken body and spilled blood are all that you need. Turn to Christ. Trust in what He did on the, on the cross to save you from your sins. Believe His Gospel. And if you're a Christian already, maybe you have been for years or decades, you still will get hungry. You might be hungry 
right now. You might be exhausted. You might be intimidated. You might be, you might be struggling to... You, you, you know, you, when I say the Gospel should light us up, right? It should light us up. It should show up in our emotions. You're thinking, man, I, that hasn't happened for years. That hasn't happened for weeks. I know the Gospel is true, but it just doesn't... I'm not smiling. I'm too tired to smile. Turn to Jesus. In His grace, there's all that you need. He's not going to shame you. He's not going to berate you. He will give you real comfort, real wisdom, real strength, real mercy. You turn to Jesus and you ask for, you ask for help in your time of need. God fills the hungry with good things through His Son who came to be broken and spilled out for us to become our wisdom, our sanctification, our justification, all that we need. Jesus fills the hungry with good things. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for this passage. And we probably all felt this morning that this could have been seven sermons. There's just so much here. So much here. So much encouragement for us. I pray, God, that You would help us to respond to Your grace. To respond with thankfulness. To respond with, with, in, in the ways that we rejoice with other people. We, we, we look to what You're doing in the lives of other people and we, and we celebrate with them and we encourage their faith. And we, and we make a, a big deal out of Your mercy and Your, and your power and Your promise-keeping. And, and that we fill our hearts and our minds with Scripture, and that we never stop growing. We never just assume that we're fine, that we're good to go. I pray, God, that You would help us to serve You without fear. And when we are hungry, when we are tired, when we are distracted, when we are intimidated, when we, when we are hungry, help us to go to You. Help us to look to You, to Your Word, to Your Son for wisdom and joy and courage. I pray that You would receive a ton of glory from our lives. In Christ's name, Amen.